Welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast with Matthew Robinson and his gaming group. I am Matthew Robinson, and joining me this week is Jake Shapiro, the casual gamer. Hello, world. Welcome, Jacob. So happy to be here. Thanks Jake, for having Jacob, me. Jacob, what, what, what do you prefer to be called? I'm Jake. You're Jake. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I say Unless that because I, a new person. I have only known you for... 25 40, years 45 years well i didn't know you when i was five but yeah. uh yes Kinda. jake and i have known each other since college since we are college. old friends yeah jake is in this board gaming group because of our friendship and yeah. i said you used to like games you should play games and then you had a baby yeah it was perfect timing and then you disappeared yeah. <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> As you have just recently sort of experienced yourself. I also have had a baby and another on the way. And Congrats. We, thank you. And uh, yeah, we... Uh, it's a time suck. It can be... It can, <laughs> it can take it's a like lot of time. It's like all of a sudden, it's all about the baby. And we're going to get into that. We're yeah. going to talk about how you deal with it. But first, what we're going to get into is that you are our casual gamer. Tell mm. me why we call you the casual gamer. I think it's because I don't have as much invested and I don't have the history of loving games the way each of the of our game group does. Mm. I mean, I was probably, well, newest to it behind you because you brought me in, but I'd never played any kind of like difficult, you know, multi-leveled, crazy layered games like these before. Right. And I don't know. I guess I don't think about it when I'm not here. Right. My life is basically... Doesn't take up... See, okay. Well, then I got to meet my next question. By the way, this is round one, episode oh, yes, four... Right. Didn't mention that. Round mm. one, episode four, if you were wondering. We are just uh, uh, reaching the halfway mark of our first round, Correct. our first cycle. Happy to be the hump day. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, as the casual gamer, do you think you have the titular title of our podcast? I don't know why I said titular title. Could have said titular. Yeah. Uh, it's also just fun to say titular. I like it. Uh, do you have a game brain? I definitely have a game brain. But not like third generation a, game brain, not a board game brain, because when I think no. of game brain to me, it's that I can't help. But when like you just said, when I'm not here thinking about it, I yeah. am always For thinking me, about board games. If I'm not the board working. game world is only at game night, um, though, I do. I do consider myself a game brain. I mean, I played, you know, Gin Rummy 500 was like the first game I ever learned as a little kid from my dad. Trick taking game, right? Yeah, trick taking game. And, um, you know, matching games and things like that. And we played backgammon and chess and. That was a good start for me as far as having a game brain. Right. Abstract I, games, trick taking I like number games. puzzles. I like word puzzles. I love Scrabble. Didn't, Huge Scrabble person. Well, by Scrabble, you mean words with friends. Well, now. You would never actually I play mean, Scrabble. I wouldn't admit to that exactly, <laughs> but yes. Huge words with friends. You've been playing words with friends. I think I might be one of the last people I think you are keeping the lights it. on at yeah. Words with Friends Corporation. Yeah. It doesn't get boring for me. Didn't your dad introduce you to Magic the Gathering? He did, actually. Yeah, it was like a bonding thing, and uh, I loved it. I remember we, we in college, it. you showed you had some Magic decks, yeah. And, yeah, I, yeah. And, I, and I actually had never really heard of Magic it, That's before, like one of those because gateway Because I was cool. No, I, was, I wasn't cool. <laughs> no, but you I had, were pretty cool. I had never played Magic the Gathering before. I'm pretty much like Nintendo generation, hardcore, everything that ever, 
you know, from that era of, I had all of that stuff, everything that you had and probably all of you out there that are mm-hmm. like us that had every single thing along the way. That was me. Right. I was special and privileged enough to be able to get all Did the you have the track stuff. pad that I you plugged in? I had the track pad. I had yep. the glove. I had the, you know. The, you had the glove. The, I had the giant launcher on the shoulder, oh, wow. like the duck hunt, but it was like a bazooka. Yeah. So you were the kid with the glove. I had all that Everyone, had, everyone knew one kid with the glove. Yeah, yeah, no, I had that for sure. I, oh, excuse me. I'll bleep you <laughs> out. bleep me out. Uh, yeah, um, I, uh, I am not the, uh, I was not the kid with the glove. Um, so Jake, as the casual gamer today, yeah. I think it would be a great opportunity to do a bit of a casual gamer primer. Okay. I'm sure you are not the only casual gamer here today with us. I think many casual gamers are listening. Absolutely. People who we'd consider themselves casual gamers. And I have been asked, uh, you know, we, we get pretty inside baseball on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We talk about all things. So throughout the podcast, I'm going to do a casual gamer test okay. where I ask you questions and this is not a test to see if you know it. This is actually, it's actually better if you don't know it because then we get a chance to explain it. But I'm curious as a casual gamer, someone who's played quite a few board games at this point, mm-hmm. how many of these terms, which to me would be second nature to throw like these out. standard. Yeah, yeah just yeah. basic shop talk, board okay. game shop talk that All at right. this point I, I have uh, ingested so fully that I don't even think of, I, I, I forget that people don't know some of these terms. All right. So we're going to, uh, throughout the podcast, I'm not going to do this all up front. We're going to get into news. We're going to get into the games we played this week. Cool. Uh, we're going to review our game this week is Solenia. Very interesting game. I'm yeah. excited to talk about Very with you. Uh, we're going to update you on the 8x8 challenge. We're going to take some emails and we're going to do Jake's gamer specific segment. So as we go through, though, every once in a while, I want to stop and ask a few questions. And by the end of the podcast, hopefully, if you are listening to this and you are a newish gamer or casual or maybe just experienced, but uh, want to test yourself and see mm-hmm. if you know the answers to all these things, um, I hope you'll find that interesting. So let's begin with the very first, most obvious, simple question. When we talk about board games, we use a word to talk about the different things in a board game, or the different design ideas in a board game. Which one of these is the correct word for it? Oh, is man. it mechanism or mechanic? Mechanic. <laughs> the, uh, the correct word is mechanism. I gave you, well, a, you, I gave you a box fart there. I appreciate For that. incorrect answers, you'll get one uh-huh. of our two wonderful oh. box farts. Right. For correct answers... Give you a little. It sounds like clapping, but it's actually a deck of cards. That's a deck of cards being shuffled right there. You Mm -hmm. get it. You're following along. I'm with you. An easy way to think of it is: is a mechanic is someone who fixes your car, Mm. and a mechanism is a cool idea in a board game. It's the it's the sort of the way the board game the built the idea the board game is built around. All right. And we are going to get into all of the most popular mechanisms today, so that people can understand all the different things we're talking about that are in board games. So as we move into our different mechanisms, let's start. We're we're going to pepper these throughout. I'm going to do two or three here, then we're going to move on. Okay. Area control. What is an area control mechanism? What's a mechanism that would achieve that? Or what do you mean? What, by yeah, that? when we say this, this is an it's area like control game. It's like a risk game where there's a board and uh, a map and you're trying to maintain a certain amount of that. You know, have the most of it or certain locations will score certain points. I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you right. an incorrect and a correct. All so right. to a certain extent... Area control, yes. You are fighting for, for different areas on a map. Okay. And that does apply to risk. But, but the typical area control game will have multiple people in an area competing to have the most of something in that area. Risk okay. is sort of binary. It's all or nothing, right? You either okay. control it or you don't. All right. 
Um, and there is a certain area control to that because you do have to win in order to get that. So technically, you call it risk area control. But most Euro area controls, uh, games like uh, El Grande would be the most famous area control, is, uh, or even uh, m- more popularly today, Blood Rage is a classic area control where we can have multiple of, I can have my army dudes in one thing, you can have your army dudes in one thing, or if it's El Grande, I can have my little cubes mm. in one thing, you can have your cubes. And whoever has the most cubes at the end actually wins it or scores more so let's say maybe i score eight points for having the most you score sure. five for having second and then one for third that's your classic area okay. control i've played you were, those you were close guys. oh yeah sure. you like I, it you I, just played all day like recently yeah all right we're gonna do one more then we're gonna move right. on to this week's game night over two deck building what is a deck building game that's that has a card component mm-hmm. and you are trying to achieve a specific deck setup of cards that is somehow gonna play out you know one after the other and working together right yeah i'll say that's right i'll say that's right. right uh deck building game is anything wherein you start with a uh basic deck of cards mm-hmm. a standard set usually every other player has the same one and then mm-hmm. throughout the game you are purchasing other cards adding them to your deck in order to make your deck either achieve certain goals be be better at getting points or better at getting resources or sure. whatever it is dominion is the most classic example of this dominion i think invented the deck building thing uh it's been used in a million games even mage knight would be considered a deck building game which one is dominion is that little spaceships no no dominion is all cards oh, okay. and you may have played it a long I think time I probably ago did. uh but yeah classic deck building game is uh shopping a lot of people tom has, has called it a shopping game and i think that's a good idea you are usually have a tableau of cards that everybody can purchase from and you're buying adding to your deck and then by the end your deck is very different than everybody else's all right that is a classic deck building classic. game let's move on to this week's game night of which the casual gamer was missing i was i was being a solo parent yep as the stay at home sometimes when the wife is away yep I'm pulling single fire. Today. And I think that's a great, uh, a great week to have you on the yeah. episode. Because yeah, that, it certainly lines up. You, definitely, you miss more than most. No judgments there. You miss more because of life things, work yeah, things. responsibilities. Baby things. Uh, you live probably a little farther away than most. Mm-hmm. Uh, one person lives nearby you. Yeah, it's not so bad. Half yeah. hour, 45 But minutes. most people live probably 15 minutes closer. Well, I'd there say. was a minute when I was very close to yes. game night. Uh, you, and that was beautiful. We lived a block away from each other for a period of time <laughs> that there, was and, then, and then I messed it up and moved away. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this week's game night, though. You were not here. Okay, what did I miss? Uh, last night, we played Food Chain Magnet, okay. which is the splatter spelling game that is on our 8x8 challenge. So mm-hmm. we, uh, we ticked two boxes there of saying, well, we technically ticked one box, but the other box being of playing a very fun, heavy splatter game, which we always like to do. And this one just also happens to be on our 8x8 challenge, which was very nice. Was this new, or have I played this? Uh, food chain is the one where you've got a map and you have to fight to deliver burgers and oh, pizza yeah, I that and one. coke yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have a handful of cards sure. and you're playing, putting your people down and your yes. CEO and all those things. Yeah, I like yeah. that one. I am glad that's on our eight by eight challenge because the reason that's well, the reason most of these games made the cut for eight by eight challenge is because I think they are games that require multiple plays to actually have real enjoyment out of them because if you just play them once a year, that game is just going to be a catch-up game where you mm-hmm. go like, oh, right, this is how that game works. And if you put it back on the shelf for a year, what was the point of that? Right. So last night was my catch-up game. Okay. <laughs> and I had not played it in at least a year, possibly a year and a half, two years. And you got trounced. Oh, I got, but beyond trounced, <laughs> I just like, it took me five rounds to just go, oh, I remember how this game goes, and I have made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mistakes have been severely made, and uh, there was no coming back. 
to the enjoyment of all. Uh, well, and, and so I think Alfred and Jesse and Tom and Trey, we had a small game night last okay. night. Paul and Dimitri and yourself were not there. Yeah. So we had five, which is the perfect number for Food Chain, which plays from two to five. And uh, I would say Alfred, Jesse, and myself had a very similar experience of turn five, turn six going, oh, by the way, turn five, turn six is an hour and a half into the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> or an hour into the game after yeah. the teach and everything. So, oh, we messed up. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Tom and Trey are just—they're in it. They've—they've—they've sure. they've, they've, they've not forgotten this game. They've yeah. played it more recently, or at least Tom has, and we're just trouncing us. Mm-hmm. And so, after about three hours, I said, "Guys, I think this would be a good time to stop because." Uh, three of us are watching a two-player game happen, yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. other three of us are just regr- sitting here Fodder. in regret. Now, when I pose that to the group, I will never say, I, I'm done. I want to stop. Yeah. I will say, I'm one man putting my hand up here and, and, and asking for a vote, mm-hmm. but super happy if the vote is turned down. I would think this is a good time to end, and, and we have an hour to play something else. Sure. Um, I don't think I will learn much more from this experience, uh, And but if all of you are loving it, no complaints. I'm super happy to continue, yep. which I think is the right thing to do when you've reached a point in the and game where, where you know you're going to lose. And we, they were all like, yeah, this is great. Let's stop. All right. Perfect. Uh, Trey and Tom were doing great. Alfred, Jesse and I were all sort of sitting there going just like, oh, I wish we were playing again now because uh, mm-hmm. bad things. I think that says something about our group. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought you were going to say. I'm not well, nobody cares about that. nobody's here to, especially in what we often say like learning game, learning game, learning game, yeah. like nobody, no pressure. Like, yeah. don't worry about it's it. It's for fun. Right. I mean, it's a little more serious for some of us than others, but it's for fun. Well, ultimately. but also we, we enjoy getting better at them. Yeah. We don't, it's not just about getting on the table and playing it. It, it, it. Well, that's something I look forward to. Part of the enjoyment is trying to get better at it. So to me, it was like, I'd learned as all I could from yeah. that lesson. I remembered it fully. I'm ready. If I sat down and played it to get, again today, I would play it to completion and be mm-hmm. very happy to watch as I either uh, succeeded or failed at my goals, mm-hmm. but knowing that I was at least grokking it. Got it. Jake, what is grokking? That's from Stranger in a Strange Land. Excellent. It's to understand something on a deep level. See, I'm literate you are. in literary that, but terms. That, grok has become a gaming it term. It has. I've noticed that. I actually like that. People often say, like, you know, do you grok this mechanism? Sure. And now it's, you can say, can, <laughs> do you grok this mechanism? I, I, because you know what all those words mean. I'll say it. Uh, okay, so we played, after that, we played the estates. Uh, if, if Food Chain Magnet was not mean enough, we thought, let's end the night with the meanest game mm-hmm. we own. And we had a very interesting game of the estate. So you played the estate. So I that's did. The I liked it. Blocks. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we, so in our last game, we basically had a game of chaos where one person did not own a, co- a company at all mm-hmm. and ended up attempting to just play the agent of chaos, trying to destroy everything yeah. we were doing and make the game have, make nobody have any points at the end right. of the game, which I think is, it should always be an element in the game. It's a cool element. But this time we had everybody had a company, okay, and we were all basically fighting for our, our two lanes out of mm. the three lanes. Only two will score, so everybody was jockeying to see which. And it sure. got and the very end we had three almost completed lanes, yeah. And it really came down to like who had enough money to buy the last roof tile to close their lane out and thus destroy other people, yeah. Uh, and it, but it, it felt like we felt like our first time we were like, oh, we're having a real game of the estates mm-hmm. now, where it wasn't just like. You know, we sort of had, we you sort of knew the value the of things. One. Exactly. Yeah. Trey won. He was the only person with positive points. Nice. Everybody else had negative That's points, awesome. which I think is a, I think this is a game where often everyone will have negative points yeah. and whoever has the least negative points sure. wins. Um, Trey was the only one with positive points, but we did realize one thing. So there's a rule in the game where money is 
secret and not secret. It's a stack of little cardboard checks that you have. So better than paper money. It's not, not monopoly money, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not nice little wooden bits or uh, poker chips. It's cardboard yeah. and in the shape of checks. Yeah. And each check is for a they million. They look cool. Each check is for a million dollars. But the game, the, the game says that you should keep your money in front of you, but nobody is allowed to inspect it or ask how much there is. I usually hate rules like that. I usually go, that's silly. That's a, that's a silly rule. I can see your stack. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between seeing your stack and counting mm-hmm. it? So I, I, I thought we wouldn't play like that. And I, I just said, when we first said, it's like, you guys, if anybody wants to know how much money you have, just ask. And like, unless they give me player screens to hide what I have, then it I can't kinda, be that important. I kind of hate that, that silly yeah. level of obfuscation where it's like, what am I gonna, do I have to kneel down by your stack and like, really, how close <laughs> am I allowed? What are the rules with like, right. can I like get really close to it yeah. and count it? Like, that can I touch they it? Mean. They do though. And I really? realized towards the end of the game that it was a necessary rule. Now, when we got to the very end of the game and there were only two or three roof tiles left and one or two things left, the decision space was very small. Mm-hmm. There was only, there, if you were to win a, uh, one of the blocks, mm-hmm. there was only one place it could go. Right. So there was no choice about, it was basically just pick a block. Nobody's going to bid on it because mm-hmm. there's only one place mm-hmm. it can go. Roof tiles became important though, very important mm-hmm. because they were going to decide what rows were going to score and which were, which were not going to score. Right. So if everybody at the table knows exactly how much money everybody has, it's, like it's, a just, it's just a math problem. It's just a close. It's set. just, yeah. oh, I do this. You do that. Mm-hmm. You do that. Game's over, guys. This is how it is. There are no decisions to be made in that thing. It's like, okay, Alfred has $18. I have 16. Alfred can win the roof tile. Uh, does anybody have more than Alfred? Okay, so Alfred gets that first roof tile. Okay, how much does he pay for it? Sure. He pays this amount. He gives that to me. Now on my next turn, I'll have 15. How much does everybody else have? Yeah, so yeah, it just yeah. becomes... It's like not finishing you a can, game of solitaire you, when you know you've won. You can see the entire mm-hmm. board state, which then makes not an interesting end game. Sure. It's just done. But if you can only look at somebody's stack and you mm-hmm. can't count it, that 3 $4 difference of knowledge you have is actually creates an interesting space where you're really going like oh man does he have 15 or does he have 13 and i have 12 so it really matters yeah. you know like so yep, yep. there's the first time i realized like oh no they i usually just hate those rules of like you know oh it's secret but well then why didn't you give me a player screen to hide it like what do you mean it's secret well it's not completely secret because right. there could be someone sitting at the table who's counting how many exactly and, and if, yeah and you could and, and I, I don't necessarily like games that reward memory but i think to a certain extent uh, this one is interesting because it really, you really do, everyone will be staring at each other's stacks mm-hmm. and trying to sort of surmise like, oh, what did he spend last time? And it's okay. Yeah. So, and I think there actually is, I think that, I think it makes the game more fun towards the end. That sounds like a fun mode. We didn't do that at all in our yeah, version, but exactly. I'd like to try it again and see how that plays out. The gardener outside is uh, going to be an interesting moment for this. He's working hard. Okay. Um, we'll see how this works. Uh, Let's do a few more. So that was that, that nice game night. It was a very fun game night. Sorry to miss it. I'm very glad that we uh, were able to check a box. I'd like to try to check a box every week. We now are down to, we've checked three boxes out of 64, 61 to go. Very exciting when we get into the 50s. Yep. I have to have a cake or some sort of a celebration. Bagels. It'll be a lot of fun. A um, couple more questions here, Jake. What is a pickup and deliver game? I don't know. Pickup and deliver is what it sounds like it's a uh, me- mechanism on a board game wherein you are taking goods mm-hmm. and picking them up and delivering them to another location 
Genoa is a classic example of this. Steam is a classic example. Indonesia is a pickup and deliver game. So this okay. is a, a mechanism game that you have played before. Yeah. Uh, you have played Age of Steam. You've played. You've not played Indonesia yet, but uh, it is a a classic old school board game mechanism that usually involves train lines. Okay. Grabbing goods, bringing them Got to it. Chicago, getting paid a certain amount. Pick up and deliver. Exactly. All right. Pick up and deliver. That Pick is. A, oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Board, board, uh, box bar for you there. <laughs> uh, one more before we move on. Uh, what is an engine builder? What do we mean when we say an engine builder? In an a board engine game? builder would be taking use of what you've got to sort of create a self-generating repurposing. Like if it's a gold builder, you have some kind of card that says every turn you get this much. Or if it's a building game, it would be like every time you get this many supplies and then it starts to stack Mm. so that it starts to build on itself in a way Mm -hmm. where you kind of have to do less and less to it and it takes over and it starts to produce enough where you can start to make other moves. Right. Yeah. Right. Well done. Yeah, it just yeah, means that you are creating something that starts out slow, but hopefully yeah, by the end the of the program game, builds. Well, you're building a program yeah. that's going to be getting you a lot of <laughs> a lot of resources, doing a lot of awesome things for you. Um, we're gonna take a quick pause here, and I'm gonna see what's going on with the very <laughs> loud noise happening outside, and we will be right, right. back. All right. Well, uh, the noise is maybe dealt with a little bit, and hopefully uh, they're winding down their construction work. But we're going to push on anyway. Um, a little extra news here. I have just found out that I'm going out of town next week for work, so I will be missing game night next oh. week. There will be no game night next week, Jake. I'm sorry okay. to break that to you here sad. live on the podcast. Very sad. Uh, but instead, we are not going to miss a week. Instead, I, I, I'm missing a game night, so we're not going to do our typical episode. So instead, Trey and I have been, and Tom have been talking about doing this for a little bit, doing bonus episodes, and we think the middle of a round is a great time to do that. So next week, we are going to record a quick normal pod, a quick podcast, but not in our normal format. I'm not going to have Jesse would be the next person, the analytical mm-hmm. gamer. Uh, but instead, Tom, Trey, and I are going to sit down and do a deep dive on a specific game. Cool. And Tom and Trey are going to do Avalon the Resistance, which is a classic uh, social deduction game. Yeah, uh, think Werewolf, game. think Mafia. Uh, so go ahead and take a look before next week. You have a week to do a little bit of homework here. Do a quick look at Avalon, the resistance. The resistance is a very similar game. Avalon is a version of the mm-hmm. resistance with different roles and slightly sure. different rules. Uh, it's actually a little bit of a simpler version of the resistance that we like a lot in our game group or, well, other people like a lot and I play <laughs> you, a lot. You don't love it. I don't love it, but I play it a lot, but it's I do think game. it is a very interesting game and our group has very specific ideas on correct and incorrect strategy or ways to win. They take it real serious. Tom and Trey have a lot yeah. to say about that. So next week, we're going to do that. We'll probably also get a quick review on a game of the week. Uh, so we'll still get a big review. But then it's just not going to be your typical episode. Right. Jesse will be the following week. He's also going out of town. So our, our, we are ships in the night here a little bit. So it works out perfectly. Yeah. So we're going to have a great bonus episode next week, just so you know. Let's move on to the news. Still waiting for jingles. Please, somebody save me and send me a jingle for the news section. Uh, Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth, Jake. Oh, my goodness. A board game you will be excited about. That I'm you don't excited use. just knowing about it. It's shipping, Jake. When will it be here? A week or two. That's too long. A week or two, maybe. Uh-huh. I mean, by the time I get back, we could be talking All about right. it next episode. All right. I'm very excited. For I'm it. excited. Uh, that is Fantasy Flight's new sort of implementation of Mansions of Madness with a Lord of the Rings skin. Even if that's all it is, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's some cool new mechanics there. There's no dice. It's diceless. Mm. Sort of has a Gloomhaven kind of card-based cool. Uh, RNG, cool. which I like Can't because wait. you can kind of... It's about probabilities. Like, oh, I know what's left in my deck. It's this, this, and this. There's like two successes and a fail. So I have a 33%, you know, 66% yeah, yeah. chance of a success. I like having those odds playing that game. 
a little bit of push your luck element to it. A couple new games announced this week that I think are exciting. Uh, CGE, also known as Czech Games Edition, uh, which outside of making code names, which is a massive, huge hit that's a, uh, a, a good family game and a good game for couples, uh, or two couples, uh, make, and they make some of my favorite heavy games like Through the Ages and Zolkin. They've announced a hack and slash board game. Uh, which I think looks pretty interesting, and I have to pull the name up of it because I forgot to put the name down. But uh, I always think it's interesting. It's called Sanctum, S-A-N-C-T-U-M. I always think it's interesting when a very a company that's tip- known for very heavy, uh, you know, crunchy games makes a sort of light dice thrower. I'm always more interested in that because maybe they're going to do something fun with it, or there must be something that's interesting about it to them. Um, so uh, and it has a cool sort of heavy metal sort of Diablo vibe yeah. to it. I'm always in for that. That sounds fun. Uh, game of Thrones Oathbreaker was also announced. That is a social deduction game along the lines of Avalon Resistance, which we'll be talking about next week. Uh, but in the Game of Thrones universe, I don't know. Okay. It could be interesting. So it'll be Cersei and and as yeah, opposed to just like, like who's good, who's bad. I guess yeah. who's on your side, who's not. What well, does who's on your team is presented. Each person is yep. their own hero. The so. game isn't coming out until I think the end of May, which is the show will already be done by then. So you can really LARP the true ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if whoever ends up dying or mm-hmm. doesn't, or I don't mm-hmm. know how, what your level of interest is in Game of Thrones out there, people. But uh, it comes out after. Um, but you know, I'm always, and, and apparently from what I've gathered, it is, it is heavier, more complex than Avalon or secret Hitler or sort of the other more popular social deduction games. So okay. I'd be interested in trying a meatier, uh, you know, more, uh, heavy version of Avalon. Uh, so that comes out. Keep an eye on that one. Uh, the big Kickstarter this week, uh, if you're interested in, uh, backing Kickstarters, the biggest one this week is, uh, from AEG, a game called Valley of the Kings. This is a a deck building game, which we've defined already. Uh, And it was a small box deck building game. It was one of those games that was like, oh, they got a lot of game into a little box. And now they're doing a big box version that has all of the expansions in one box uh, with some premium components. I have not played uh, Valley of the Kings. It's got very, very positive reviews from a lot of people who like deck building games. Rado gave it a great review. Lots of people have said it's very fun. Um, and there's a chance to get it. And I think it, it's one of those Kickstarters where they're like, we're shipping much, much, much more quickly than you'd imagine. What, I think it's shipping at the end of the what summer. What percentage of like, uh, the Kickstarter games do you, did you kickstart? Like, are you in it for almost all of them? Or oh, are you no, very... no, no. There's th- uh, hundreds every month. Oh, there's hundreds. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, no, see, it's, I don't know. It's I... a massive part of it. I mean, there are thousands every year. If you back, if you, and, and if most you... of them don't make it, obviously. No, no, no. I think most do. Really? I'd say most do. Uh, wow. But, um, they're, you know, they're, well, I, I can't say that for sure. I would imagine most do. I, I, I rarely see any that don't, but maybe that's because I only, um, you know, the, the ones that I hear of so that many. come on my radar are pretty popular. But, uh, there are a lot of Kickstarter board games. I back five to 10 a year. Got it. Um, and got I'm it, pretty picky at this point. After 10 years in the hobby, and yeah. we, we could actually do an episode on how, on, on Kickstarter and how to, uh, how to make your decisions on Kickstarter. But after 10 years in the hobby, I'm pretty, I pretty much stick to uh, designers, tested mm-hmm. designers that I like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a, a pre-order system at this point for me. If I see a company or a designer that I really love almost everything they do. Sure. Um, and I want to make sure that it comes to light in the best version possible. It's basically just me pre-ordering a game I would have bought from a store right. anyway. Um, but then there's the, you know, the rare occasion that I see something that just looks really cool mm-hmm. and that I'm willing to take a little risk on sure. and, and, and knowing that, you know, at this point, knowing that a, it could take 10 years longer than they say yeah. it will take and B, I could hate it. Right. Um, but you know, if it's a hundred dollar game, I probably won't do that. Sure. Uh, but if it's something cheaper and I just go, eh, it's worth a shot or it's, you know, at this point now it's like, 
our group might like that or well you know it comes with a lot of cool kickstarter stuff if i don't like it i'm pretty sure i can i can mm-hmm. get some of my money back on mm-hmm. it if i sell it on ebay or, or you know at a convention the next cool thing that I noticed this week was uh, the New Voices Scholarship. This is a mentorship program that is being, uh, being brought about by Jeff Engelstein, who is a, a regular contributor to the Dice Tower and I believe a board game designer of, of, in his own right. Um, and this is a, a mentorship program for designers who are bringing new vision and underrepresented perspective to the industry, which I just read from their website. You can check out more information at tabletopnetwork.com. But uh, what I think is really cool here is that they are going to be raising money in order to fly people to conventions mm-hmm. and meet with, with, with publishers and mm-hmm. uh, successful designers and basically as a way of mentoring people who would have a harder time getting into that industry That's brilliant. Uh, to, uh, to meet with people. Sure. I think they even are pairing them up with designers to mentor them on their game designs as they go. That's amazing. And it's a way of getting uh, underrepresented people in our hobby uh, into the hobby and uh, designing games. Sure, discovering new talent. Exactly. So if you're interested in that, they are offering, uh, you can apply for a scholarship at tabletopnetwork.com. That's Take awesome. a look at it. Uh, one last thing, I just want to remind everybody, we talked about it last week, and I believe it is ending in the next week or two. They have still not met their goal, and I really, uh, I would love to help them do that. So if you have any uh, uh, leftover cash that you <laughs> donate every month and you're wondering what to do with it, the third Uganda Village Board Game Convention, I think, is a wonderful way to throw a couple bucks at a worthy cause uh, and help uh, this awesome convention get off the ground again this year for the third year in a row and get all the best games they can get over there and make it a wonderful experience. Absolutely. Uh, so crowdfunder.co.uk, look up third Uganda Village board game or check my Twitter at GameRain underscore pod and you will see links there. Uh, let us move on to Games on the Brain. We'll play a little sound effect and then we'll hear that sound and board fart. And some dice. Games on the brain. Now, uh, these are the games that we've been thinking about all week. Jake, you've been thinking about board games all constantly. week long. You, you have not stopped thinking about board games. Yeah. Uh, the thing that took my interest this week was I, I've, I've, I want to fill out my Splatter Spellin collection. Who doesn't, right? <sighs> Uh, now we've talked about Splatter Spellin because we played a Splatter Spellin game this week, um, and that was uh, Food Chain Magnet. What is Splatter Spellin? Splatter, Splatter, it's hard to say ten mm. times. Splatter Spellin is a Dutch company run by two wonderful gentlemen who basically hand make games oh. and have been doing so for twenty plus years. Uh, this is a tiny. Co- this is not a company. Okay. Oh yeah, a company is a little hard. This artisans. Is, these are two craftsmen, mm-hmm. artisans. Mm-hmm who create very heavy games for a very small market, although it's getting less small every year. And they basically make these games by hand. And uh, if you love their games, you will buy them sight unseen. They, they have a, a following. Sure. They are, uh, they, they are the sort of the, uh, the niche elite heavy board game company. Or they were. Now there's a couple other games in the world. Capstone is here. Uh, Winsome Games has also been around for a while. Uh, but these are the the games for the for the people who really like mm-hmm. heavy games, and one of their greatest games, considered by most their greatest game, is a game called Indonesia. Uh, and I finally picked up a copy of it. I okay. found a halfway decent price, uh, which is still about a hundred dollars. It's not oh, a wow. cheap game, and th- their games. The fact that I found it basically for MSRP felt like a steal to me. Yeah, their games sell for a hundred dollars, wow. and you usually have to buy them sight unseen, or else you risk losing mm-hmm. out on them. Um, they come out with one game every five years maybe so it's okay. a big deal so indonesia is one of their classics indonesia is as we've already said a pickup deliver game we know that that what that is now and it is beautiful game i actually spent a lot of my 
teenage years in Indonesia. I was going to say. Because my father lived there for 20 plus years, and I used to go visit him every summer. So I know Indonesia very well. So mm-hmm. it, there is a personal connection to it mm-hmm. as well. But the fact that it's also generally considered the greatest spotter, I've played it. And, and what's funny is this was the first actual board game I ever played at Tom Donnelly's game night. Oh, wow. When I had only played Battlestar Galactica and like Monopoly and Scrabble, yeah. Tom Donnelly brings out Indonesia to the table. Huge misstep. A huge yeah. misstep. I mean, it literally, I, I just, I, I, you couldn't have got me more like, oh, I don't care about this. I don't, I, I want the thing with the Cylons and the minis yeah. and the dice. Like I was so, it was so, but I don't know, to a certain extent. What I think is interesting is that here we are full circle 10 years later, and now I'm buying a copy of Indonesia. So well, maybe sure. maybe it was the long con. Maybe. Maybe or it maybe was. maybe you just had to grow into it. It took me 10 years to really want, not only to want to play Indonesia, but to want to own it <laughs> uh, and to want to bling it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bought some, some nicer components for it. The second edition of it famously has a really crazy sort of mistake made in production where they it's almost like a spinal tap thing where they ordered the wrong size stonehenge sure. uh they ordered little wooden components that ended up being four times bigger than could possibly fit on any space on the map That's i mean funny. they are like that big and I'm, I'm showing you like my finger held out about two inches yeah uh and they needed to they were literally the guy i think they said like you know four centimeters and he made it four mm-hmm. inches or something like it was like just a it was literally like a spinal tap mistake yeah. like oh you added another zero yeah uh, so they are ridiculously shaped. So they're unusable, <laughs> uh, at least in terms of the way they were designed to be. They're used. collector's items. Yeah, they're, they're something. I don't know. They'll give them out to people as a, as a Christmas <laughs> gift. Here's a, here's a spice. Stocking stuffer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm very happy to finally own Indonesia. I'm, I still got a few more Age of Steam maps. Now, uh, Age of Steam is a game I love. It's really a game that gets better the more maps that you have, or at least for different player counts. So I, I'm trying to buy the maps right now that do not come in the Kickstarter. So the Kickstarter for Age of Steam will be delivering SN maybe if we're lucky. And uh, it comes with about 10 maps. And there are a handful of maps that are considered classic great maps that are not coming with that Kickstarter. So I've been okay. slowly collecting those because I think they're just going to get harder to get. As Got the game it. comes out, people are going to want to start picking up sort of the best maps they don't have. I'm trying to sort of pick those up mm-hmm. now as we go before the prices skyrocket. Swoop in. So that's been on my, my mind this week. Uh, we already told you about what we did on the 8x8 challenge. Uh, I'm well aware of the crazy noise happening Yeah, outside. sorry guys. It's Hoping that we'll life. work through it. Uh, Wednesday mornings, do not record podcast. Mental note taken. Uh... We, as I said, we played uh, Food Chain Magnet, which is mm-hmm. great. And um, so, yeah, checking a box every week. Moving cool. right along. We'll see yep. how we keep going on that. Let us move in to our game review. Oh, before we do that, though, let's have a few more oh, yeah, bring trivia it. questions for you, what Jake. Do we got? What do we got? Jake, what is a press your luck game? What is a is press that, is your that luck? Is a bidding game? Well, it could be. A press your luck game is really anything wherein you are making a guess at what's going to happen mm-hmm. and taking some sort of a percentile uh, uh, judgment into mind before making that decision and then maybe busting and, and, and failing very badly, usually probably setting yourself way back in the game. Alrighty. So it, it gambling, gambling is basically a way to look at it. So there are a lot of games that do that. Um, uh, interesting enough, we've talked about uh, Feast for Odin before, which is would not be considered uh, necessarily a push-your-luck game, but it has a push-your-luck mechanism in it where you're hunting, mm-hmm. wherein you are really hoping that you succeed on it in order to get what you need. But if you don't, 
you're not you're not totally out. You're just going to get a little consolation prize instead. Okay. Um, Quacks of Quedlinburg, which is a game that won the Spiel, the Kinderspiel des Jahres this year, which is sort of the Oscars of of board games. All right. Uh, it won best game this year. That is a full on press your luck game wherein you are trying to pull certain chits out of a bag. And you know there's a certain bomb, there are bomb chips in there that if you pull that one, your whole thing Got blows it. up. And you, but you, you, you're really, the more things you pull that aren't bombs, the better you're going to do. So mm-hmm. you're definitely pushing your luck on that. So okay. that's a press your luck game. All right. So um, sure give you a little bomb. Yeah, absolutely. On one more before we move on to our review. Jake, what is a beer and pretzels game? What do we mean when we say beer and pretzels, guys? I, beer and pretzels. I'm assuming it means it's very simple, no thinking you know, like the the roses game, uh, the uh, claps for me. That's correct. Uh, it just means it's a light game. We shouldn't spend too much time mm-hmm. considering strategy it's a in there. Derogatory name, well, really? It's is really, what it is. It said ninety nine percent of the time in our game group when we're playing a very heavy game and we're trying to tell somebody to speed <laughs> along and we're joking. <laughs> By yeah. saying like beer and pretzels, guys, yeah. beer and pretzels, when clearly it's, the it's not a beer yeah. and pretzels game. But it's a gentle way of saying, mm-hmm. if you could maybe speed up a little bit, just you're dragging bit. the game down just a touch. Or sometimes we are playing a beer and pretzels game and somebody starts really starting to crunch the numbers and somebody just has to go, bro, it's, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's a beer and pretzels yeah. game. Like just there's as much as strategy. It usually just means you're wasting your time because we're about to roll the die and find out what happened anyway. Right. So like there's no real right, choices right, right. to be there's made nothing here. invested. Yeah. Just don't, don't take it so seriously. Yeah. That is a beer and pretzels game. You know, in a funny way then yeah. all the games we play are beer and pretzel games to me. To you. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'm just not as invested. I'm right. I'm enjoying it. I like it, but at no point during it, am I thinking, Oh my God, what if I do this? And then I'm not going to win. Right. That, that thought does not occur. All game games are beer and pretzel games. To a casual gamer. That's right. Amazing. Let's move on to our review of the week. This is a game that came out in 2018. It is called Solenia. S-O-L-E-N-I-A. It plays one to four players. That's right. It can be a solitaire game as well. Yeah. Uh, it plays in about 30 minutes to 45 minutes. I think that's about right. I think yeah. with four players, you're looking at about an hour. Two players, definitely under Much 30 quicker. minutes. Yeah, yeah. We, Jake and I were cranking out 20-minute games. Uh, it has a light to medium weight. I would say this is this is a, a light game if you are playing the beginner's basic version mm-hmm. and a still a light medium if you are playing the more advanced version with variants. Yeah. Uh, this is from one of my very favorite designers, the designer of my, of my favorite game of all time, Sebastian Dujardin. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Sounds but right. Sebastian Dujardin also did Trois, which I couldn't love more. Trois or Troyes, as if many people one, would say. Uh, that is, you're buying other people's dice and you're placing dice in places. You, I think you did play it. I think I did play it It, once. it is quite heavy. Yeah. Uh, he, so, Trois, T-R-O-Y-E-S, in case yeah. you want to look it up. It looks like it's Troyes, but it is a, uh, a French uh, village, and it's pronounced Trois. Uh, he also did a game called Tournay, or Tourney, uh, which I have tried and did not love. He also did a game called Deus, which I enjoyed. I do not own it, but I, ha- I did play it in a convention. I did enjoy it. Uh, but Trois is really his masterpiece but he apparently has a new masterpiece on the way or at least play testers who have played it are say it is quite interesting it's a game called black angel it is hopefully coming out in 2019 and it has a very unusual mechanism which can be found in selenia so i picked up selenia because he liked his mechanics so uh-huh. 
mechanism so much, even I can do it. He liked this mechanism so much that he thought, oh, there's actually a cool casual game hidden in this very Mm -hmm. heavy game. So Mm -hmm. what I've heard is that Black Angel is quite heavy. Got it. Possibly heavier than Twa. But this mechanism of playing cards on a board and building out a route based on the cards you play, he thought, that's a very cool sort of light family game as well. So that's what Selenia is. So let's talk about Selenia a little bit. Let me give you the basics. Let me first tell you what the theme is. I'm going to read you what the designer wrote here. Several millennia ago, the tiny planet Selenia lost its day and night cycle. Its northern hemisphere is forever plunged into darkness, and its southern hemisphere is eternally bathed in sunlight. Your mission is to carry on your ancestors' honorable task of traveling the world to deliver essential goods to the inhabitants of both hemispheres. While the day people want you to deliver the rarest gems and stones, the night people sorely need wood and wheat to survive. Be efficient and outpace your opponent to collect the most gold stars by the end of the game. It's really quite beautiful also, I'll just say. Like, it's very aesthetically pleasing Let's start with the components. I agree completely. It is a beautiful game with a very whimsical, interesting, and uh, unusual theme. But it's very tight also. Like, it it really, it it works well. All the pieces fit together very nicely. It's, it's it's like, appealing to touch. So, not only does this have a mechanism I've never really seen before, but it also has a board I've never seen before. So, the board picture... Uh, sort of space invaders, like mm-hmm. the video games, that shape right. of your ship at the bottom. So That's it's right. sort of that little arrow with going up with pixel yeah, layers. Yeah, like a little ziggurat steps. Exactly. Yeah. So picture that, and then picture six of them. Stacked. All stacked together to create a board. Yeah. And you it's are... It's like you, tank treads, really. Tank treads, exactly. That, yeah. is, exa- so that is a much better uh, metaphor. So think of tank treads. So... You have an airship, a Zeppelin, a, mm-hmm. a sort of fantasy, really cool. And it's actually a cool little mini. Big like yellow really Zeppelin cool. on yeah. a stand. And it's in the middle of the board. Mm-hmm. And it, as it moves around the planet, you start cycling the yeah. last tank tread yeah. to the front of the stack. Exactly. And as they start going, they flip over. And on one side is night, and on the other side is day. It's really so as you're moving smart. forward, you can. it almost looks as though you're you are going around a planet yeah. and watching as you go from day to night. It's night really to day. cool. Right. It has a beautiful thing to it. Google it right now. Look it up on Board Game Geek Selenia so you can take a look at it. Yep. But uh, the components are gorgeous. So what we're doing is uh, each of us has a hand of 16 cards. Mm-hmm. And these cards are also something I've never seen before. They have a giant hole in the middle. Yeah. So picture a, a playing card. Yeah. But if somebody cut a hole in the center of it that you could yeah. stick it's your like index finger through. Hole. Yeah, so you could literally stick your finger through the mm-hmm. deck of cards and spin it around on your finger, which, by the way, I highly recommend. It's a very fun thing to do <laughs> yeah. and something you're going to do while playing this yeah. game. Uh, you take that deck, you shuffle it up, and you draw three cards. Mm-hmm. Every turn is a very simple rule, and this is why it's an enjoyable game to teach. Play oh, a card, super quick draw a card. Play a card, That's it. draw a card. That's all you're doing on your turn. That's it. And But when you play a card, you play them on the board, on the tank treads. Mm-hmm. You can either place them directly below the Zeppelin or any space adjacent to the Zeppelin, yeah, and well, we should just say that those spaces are like little floating worlds exactly. in the sky that right. we're maneuvering through in our space in our skyship. Right. So They're Selenia like floating islands, like the in an avatar. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So each space has a avatar floating island mm-hmm. on it, and each floating island creates either a resource mm-hmm. of wood, wheat, water, and stone. Yep. Those are the four options, and then the fifth one are cities which need those goods. So you exactly. are collecting goods and delivering. In essence, a pick up and deliver. But it's except, really quite clever. I guess actually it is a pick up and deliver. I mean, in a way it is. Um, 
So each of these cities, and you have a tableau at the top of the board that's going to have demand of mm-hmm. what they want. So the night cities have their demand of three different things they want. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the day city has three different things as well. And those uh, are also cards. Yes, those are all little cards. Yeah. And on the, so they're not just going to want one thing. Like each city, one city will want, I want three wheat and two stone sure. and one water, things like that. Right. Sure. And they're worth different points. The harder it is, the more points they're yep. going to be. So you're, when you play a card, whatever is visible through the tiny little hole in the card is what you get. Yeah. And on each card, there are numbers. So you have numbers ranging from zero to two in your deck. So mm-hmm. all your cards are either zero, ones, or twos. Mm-hmm. That number decides how much of that good visible through the little window is there. And the cards are really cool because when you flip it over, it looks like a, a, a little like submarine yeah, the window. front window. That's right. Uh, and... Whatever the good is, is what you're looking at. You're, you can see your hands yeah. on the steering wheel, and it's like you're looking at that good. It's like one of those cutouts where you put your face in. And yeah, exactly. you're like Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, super yeah. cool. Uh, just neat little touches like that. But so you put your card there, you collect that many goods. Yep. At the bottom of each card, though, is something else. Some, so, some sort of reward you're going to mm-hmm. get. Often points, often more goods. Sure. And you will, so your cards actually stay there. When you play a card on the board, it stays there until it falls off the bottom of the board. Right. Now, remember, every time you move the ship forward, which happens on zeros, mm-hmm. every time you play a card of the zero, you're, you're not getting anything, but you're ship. moving the Zeppelin yeah. forward, which then takes the last tile of the mm-hmm. board of the tire tread and flips it over and moves it to the very front. And any cards that were on that tread activate. Exactly. So any cards that you had played could have been many turns ago yeah. that are on the board. When they fall off the end of the world, you get all the things on the bottom. Yeah. So there is a certain amount of forethought about how many turns it's going to take to activate certain cards versus how need like how soon you need that card to work for you right then right it's a it's a cool little back and forth of that i I like that part of it and in the placing of them there's a very cool sort of route building as well because now you can place you can always place a card underneath the zeppelin or any space attached to it so i believe there's always six places you Mm -hmm. can put it but you can also put it anywhere next to one of your other cards you've already placed. Right. So you, you're you sort of building a route. So let's say, oh, there's a day city way up there I need to get to. So you need to start laying your cards in order to get there. Absolutely. But if you're playing ahead of the Zeppelin, you're not gonna, those, those are not going to fall off the map for a very long time. That's true. If you're playing behind the Zeppelin... Now you you're That's not like the short game. You're 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 going to be getting things as it drops off really fast, yep. but you are going to now be limited by what you can get. So That's like right. where the you can place it cards. Would take to build your route is much less because they're going to fall away. They're going to fall away yeah. really quickly. And now in order to deliver to that next city, uh, you're going to have to spend good. So you can yep. always break the rule of adjacency by spending one good per space mm-hmm. that you need in to between. go in between yeah. where the zeppelin or where your last card. And so I think it's also important to say that you're trying to get both night and day. Like there's major bonuses to doing both. Right. So let's talk about your your, your own board. So we yeah. each have our, our ship board, our mm-hmm. Zeppelin board. And it's a very cool thing. It looks kind of like a skip. Uh, it looks a little bit like the kinda ship. It looks like, in, a, like a fish skeleton. In fish a way. skeleton, yes. I was thinking the, uh, the, the barge oh, ship Hans, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, of course, it totally uh, looks like It kind of looks like the, the Return of the Jedi barge. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, where they're taken to, totally. to throw Luke into the pit. Down the pit. Um, so you have one of these and it has a certain amount of space that can hold goods. Mm-hmm. So the beginner side can hold eight, right? The advanced side can hold six, Yeah. but the advanced side has the advantage of having asymmetrical powers that you draft at the beginning of the game. That's right. And these powers can be unlocked by delivering goods either to the day or the night. So the top of your player board accepts night deliveries and the mm-hmm. bottom accepts day. So, 
And then also up the center of your board is like how much stuff you can carry right. on your truck. That's your storage. That's right. your storage. Yeah. So remember when I said that uh, the goods, the delivery tokens are tiles. Those mm-hmm. tiles fit into your ship. Yeah. Above or below. So day can only go above, night can only go below. And as you place those in, you unlock mm-hmm. either goods or powers. Yeah. And in the advanced game, which we played, uh, which I think is a better game, uh, by getting pairs of them, you can often unlock a superpower. Yep. So a power you like... did that in one of our games. Yeah, so a power where every time you move the ship forward, you now move it forward twice. Yeah. But in order to unlock that power, you have to complete one day and one night delivery. Yeah. And there's a little route you can take, too, because they're either labeled one, two, or three. And as you do one, you can start leveling up. There's lots of options layered in that all affect each other very smartly. Totally. So we played, I've now played four or five times this game. Jake and I played it two games back to back. Each Mm -hmm. game took 20 minutes. Yeah, it moved super fast. fast. One on one, it it moves Jake won the first one. I won the second one. Really fun, uh, quick, two-player games, really fast, really fun, and sort of a... Uh, a little bit of a dance because you're you're definitely like watching where the other person's going, and you can and a fun thing with the cards is you can start building a wall around what they mm, need, you yeah. know, and and often goods are really tight in this game. So in order to spend, he can spend a good to jump my little wall of cards I built that keeps him from getting to a delivery city. But then he's going to not have enough goods at that delivery city. There's plenty of defensive moves uh, with timing and card placement. Absolutely. It has a little bit of a feel of an abstract game like chess or something in that sense. You're definitely making moves that are going to have effect more than just right then. Right. You know. But what to me separates, so the beginner's game is just playing cards, delivering to goods. Yeah. That's it. You have a hold, you have a, a hold of eight goods in your ship. Yeah. That's, that's really it. And as you unlock things, you get points for pairs and stuff. But... The advanced game is so much more interesting to me because of the draft that happens at the beginning. So there are sort of ship parts that you're drafting at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a one superpower that's unlocked and then two end game scoring that's unlocked. Yep. And you we draft those in reverse player order at the beginning of the game. So everybody sees all of them face up and then you take turns drafting. And so by the time the game starts, we each have very different ships with very different goals. Exactly. It definitely makes gameplay a, a lot cooler. Yeah. It, it, the other version is fun to teach. I, it'd be a good version to play with more casual I'm players. Glad we learned it on the, the first way first. Yeah, no, there there is a uh, one of my very favorite board game reviewers is a guy named Marco Wargamer, uh, who's known more for <laughs> heavy that, war games. Is that his real name? No, that's his BGG <laughs> name, Marco Wargamer. Okay, uh, but he was obsessed with this game. And it was actually his recommendation pushed me to buy it. I probably would have anyway because of how much I love Twa, and I'm so excited for Black Angel. But he. He says the beginner version is the only version they play, and they love the tactical back and forth mm-hmm. of the elegance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it to be a little too light for me. Uh, you like that heavy stuff a lot. I do. I'm much, but I also I really like a good asymmetrical I, start. I would say that for the, the casual gamers out there, yeah. this one is it's really nice. I think you could play this game with people who don't play games. You could the beginner but, version, yeah, the beginner version, the beginner version. You could, and it's and it might take two games, maybe, but it's also beautiful enough. It's gorgeous where people are going to. It and has that a certain intuitive feel to it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, and and just all you have to tell somebody is play a card, draw a card. Yeah, the game ends when your deck's up. When you yeah. have no more cards to play, that's it. Everybody plays, so you get sixteen actions in the whole game. Yeah, everybody plays sixteen cards. The game is over. Super fast. It's fun too. Put a card down, take some goods, store it on your ship. Yeah. Go to a city, deliver those goods, take the tile, unlock it's, a power. It's very satisfying to see it your mechanics, mechanisms, whatever yeah. little things come to, come to light. So I'm super excited to see what's going to happen with uh, Black Angel. Because this, if you look at Black Angel's board, you will obviously see oh, that's the Solenia. It is 
much it is basically selenia times five yeah. so it's got the exact same tire tread yeah. pieces we're talking about that create a board but there are one two three four five so there's seven of them and then there's a whole board a whole ahead board. of it and then each player board looks like this giant thing um yeah, it's just on crack yeah it's uh it looks cool it i'm I quite wait. excited for it it's uh beautiful components he's sort of look i mean there's the ship in the middle yeah, it's it's a cool mini yeah it looks cool um so very much looking forward to black angel i He's one of the designers I will do, I will look at anything he does and probably buy it and potentially sight unseen, which I pretty much did with Selenia mm-hmm. after only watching one or two reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do recommend this as a beginner game. It is not uh, – I, I, I can't say I love it. It's not something I'm excited to get to the table again. I enjoyed our plays of it with the right group. I, th- I, I think it shines at two. I think yeah, three or I four agree. could feel a little – well, I don't know. Three or four, you, you get a lot more cards on the table and it becomes a much more tactical thing. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. Um, but I think it's worth looking at. It's not an expensive game. I think it's thirty nine ninety nine. Uh, you might find it for cheaper even on Amazon. So it could be good down down to thirty bucks yeah. at some point. It's not an expensive game, and, and you're getting your money's worth in the it's, components. It's really nice. The components are gorgeous. So that is Selenia. Take a look at it. A great casual game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's move on to the group member specific segment. Ah. This is Jake's uh, part where we're going to talk about a very specific concept. And Jake, tell us today what we're going to be talking about. Well, we were discussing the fact that I'm a stay-at-home dad. Right. And that as a game brain, where do I find my outlet? How do I scratch that itch? Where do games manifest in my life right now where it's pretty much mostly not about me and what I like to do? There are a lot of dads out there, I think, and a lot of moms and a lot of new parents. Oh, absolutely. Who are going, when do I get to game? Yeah. When, uh, what do I what do I do now? I have all these games or I have all these dreams of playing games. It's true. And, you know, for Christmas, um, my beautiful wife got me the Xbox One. Yeah. Thinking like, you used to like love video games. Yeah. Here, it's video games. I'm like, thank you. I'll never be able to play this. <laughs> like, thank you for this thing I love. That Your son I, will like it gonna, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as an antique. But yeah, no, it's true. That it's, it's a component of my life that is muchly diminished and... It, it ekes out in all kinds of places. I satisfy myself um, game-wise in, in different ways. So as many gaz- casual gamers do, I imagine, most of your gaming takes place on... On my phone. On your phone. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, And I think most people play games on their phone these days. Yeah, I mean, we can say it's games on our phone, but it really does feel like I'm holding my Game Boy sometimes. And I'm just that 12-year-old again who's like, why am I holding this Game Boy when I should be doing something else? So take me through what do you play on your phone? What, what uh, over the last, like, you know, f- since you had your kid, okay. what games have taken up the most game brain real estate for you? Well, I do the crossword every day, which is on my phone. Is that the New, the New York, York Times? Times yeah. Oh, so there's an app for the New York Times Very, crossword It's puzzle. a great app if you enjoy doing the puzzle in the paper. Is that a free app? Paper. You no. got to pay for no, that? but it's super cheap. Okay. It's like 12 every bucks day, a year or something. Oh, okay. You got to pay a subscription. Got it's it. a subscription, but it's extremely reasonable. And you get the same ones people are getting in the paper? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's exactly shorts? the same. Yeah. And that's a love of mine. And it, it's a, not exactly a game, but it's, a, it's the same kind of game brain thing happening. Totally. You've always loved the crossword. I've always loved the crossword. And then um, I would say Words with Friends is okay. a huge ongoing thing. Do you play with randos or do you yeah. play with... Both. Okay. Although I will say not so many randos anymore. I have randos that turned into people I've been playing with for years. Really? That I have no idea who they are. There was some amazing story about a teenager and an elderly woman who'd been playing Words with Friends together for like years yeah. and then they finally went and met in person. That's amazing. Sometimes like, I'll think best like, friends. who are these people that like, I'm literally interacting with them more than I do, do other people. Do you talk? Like, hey. No, no, no. There's no, no there's, if somebody hits like a hundred point word, I might give them three claps 
in the little chat, oh, really? icon, you know, but no, we're not like, hey, how are you? Who are you? But do you sort of know their play styles? Absolutely. That's hilarious. Like Absolutely. you know the words they know? Um, I know how aggressive they're going to play. I know how advanced they are. I know think- if I'm going to win. I know right away if I'm going to win. Do you think you're a good Scrabble player at this point? I think I'm a pretty medium to good Scrabble player. I think so you think you I could win, beat your average Scrabble player? I think I could hold my own against your average Scrabble player. Interesting. But I don't think I'd do very well at it. How many two-letter words do you know? Do you know all of them? I think I might get all Pretty of much them. know all yeah. the two-letter words at this point? Yeah, I think I... Yeah. Key, Q-I. That yeah, always seemed like a, a cheat there's to a me. Lot. <laughs> there's a couple ones that you're like, It's okay, a whole world. It's a whole world. Yeah. And, and it's one that I could fall into. But I, I do it, you know, not all day long. But I've right. got games that are ongoing. Right, and it only takes a second to look and see and think, and that's a so crossword game. Scrabble. Any crossword other games Scrabble. that take up your time? Uh, there's puzzle games I like. I do Sudoku sometimes. Okay, you know the number one up and down, left and right. So you're going sort of classic. I'm pretty classic. pen and paper games almost. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, for me, it's about solving the puzzles. You're not playing Hearthstone. I'm you're not, not playing, playing. I'm not playing like things that have. You're not uh, playing Fortnite on your phone. No, absolutely not. I'll tell you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'll look at my phone right now. I'll tell you what I love. I love a game called Bricks and Balls. Okay. Okay. It's super simple. There's oh, like a breakout. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Kind of. You, you just, it's a math game. You're just angles. It, you know what it is? It's like the simplest form of playing pool. Okay. Interesting. You set the ball off and it ricochets and you either did a good shot or you okay. didn't. Um, I like that woody puzzle mm-hmm. where you're laying just pieces down. Okay. It's almost like one of those IQ tests when you're really okay. young of okay. assembling a, a sure. box out of, um, I play solitaire sometimes if I'm feeling really brain dead. Right. That one's completely mindless. That's beer and pretzels for you. That's, that's, that's my beer, beer and pretzels. pretzels is solitary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there was that game that I love that was out last year. People were talking about it. Uh, 2048. Yeah. That mm-hmm. one consumed me. Really? That one took over my life for six months. Right. And other things fell to the wayside. And that one I really focused in. There's something, something about it the way that I used to love Tetris. So like that's Tetris a grid of, of numbers times. and you're trying to do multiples. It's a doubling game. And right. It's about. So two um, becomes four, four becomes eight, eight yeah, becomes Yeah, but six, it's also yeah. a positional puzzle because you're sliding up and down and left and right, right and each move. There's a couple the different versions of that. Yeah, but, it's kind of yeah. like a number version of Go in a little bit. Sure. Um, which is a game that's it's a strategy also. Game. It's a strategy game. I yeah. mean, you're just, you know, it becomes very intuitive. You start right. to find a Zen moment where you're not even playing. You're so just you, you about clearly else. have a drive to work that part of your brain. Oh, absolutely. And that part of your brain wants to, yeah. it needs some exercise. I think the place that I spend most of that energy on is my son, though, because that's a game also. As far as the game brain, <laughs> the, right. it's constantly trying to keep a little mind entertained. And yeah. I do rely on a lot of things that you might be doing in a game. Right. You know, creating choices. Right. And outcomes and scenarios and... You know, sometimes just playing, like my favorite game, which is Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. It's just role play, really. Mm-hmm. And a kid's mind, that's what they want the most. So sometimes just playing with him, you know, I mean, he's, he's only four and a half. You're the dungeon like, master. In a little way, I am. And we play games, and it's just pure imagination. And it's, it's very satisfying. You are going to have to teach me all those tricks because yeah. <laughs> my child is very young and not ready You'll for like games them. yet in that sense. Yeah. Um, any tips for dads or moms or new parents out there? who uh, want to find more time for gaming? I would say the way it worked out for me was really good. Find uh, a group of friends who play games and carve out a little time for yourself. One One night night a a week week is not crazy. I mean, okay, first year, you're not going anywhere. Right. As a parent, everybody, sure. if you've done that, or if and you're I did to do that, not have a game night. That's right. There was a hiatus for the whole first year of my. <laughs> Matt job. told the game group, "Like I'm pregnant." We we're like, yeah. "Oh, yay!" Oh, because we knew he's out of the game for a it while. It was about 
10 months that the yeah. game night stopped. Yeah. You were back amazingly quick, actually. Yeah. Well, it helped that I got an office. It's true. Because we play, and I don't think I've ever mentioned this before, mm. we play games in my office. It's true. And my office is a couple a blocks from the house. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we are right now. We're recording in my office and this is where we play all our games. So if I had to do it at the house no, with it'd a sleeping be baby, it'd be impossible. have eight people over laughing and, and no one would expect talking you to. loud. Obviously the baby comes first, but having the office and the space and, uh, yeah, finding the time for yourself. Well, There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing selfish about that. You know, some people maybe want to go and play poker. Yeah. If you're the kind of person that wants to go play games, go do that. And while not everybody will have access to an office to go play That's games true. after hours with, That's true. there is probably a board game store or a hobby shop near your house that will probably have a table that you can use one night a week. Yeah, and also, I don't know what your game groups out there are like, or if they're like ours, but it doesn't have to be a rowdy thing either. No. You could just have a lot of fun. We often have pretty quiet yeah. board game Yeah, nights. we're actually a bunch of pretty thoughtful, you know, more quiet people. Sure. Things get loud sometimes. But you could you could play a lot of these games at home and not wake the baby. Right. You know? So don't give up hope out there, casual gamers yeah. who are, are wanting for time. Uh, it's all temporary. You're, it's you will temporary. get more time back soon. They start wanting to play games with you. And in the meantime, feed that game brain any way you can. Mm-hmm. Jake's found his way on his phone. Maybe yours is video games. Maybe yours is... Solo board games are a great option for parents out there. If you, there are a lot of great solo board games. We'll, we'll do a solo board game episode. That's but a cool idea. Look it up. You can find them. And all you need when your kid goes to sleep, take it out, play by yourself. Maybe your partner walks by, goes, "What's that?" And maybe you got a new board game partner. Take it out, play by yourself. That's it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's the casual gamers section. Thank you so much, Jake. Oh my pleasure. Let's do a few questions uh, okay. before we move on into our final section, Jake. What is an abstract game? We've, it's actually been said a few times on this podcast. What's an abstract game? I have no idea. An abstract game? Abstract game is just what we refer to as a game without, real, without a real theme, such as chess or Go. Uh, chess and okay. Go are classic abstract games. It just means it is an abstracted uh, mechanism wherein mm-hmm. there isn't actually a theme. It's not like I place my, oh, my people I see. here without and do something. Oh, I see. Without an overlay. Something. Yes, Got exactly. It. It's just Got it. the bare bones. So like any card game. Is an abstract game. To a certain extent, yeah. I think well, because be you're just holding that. cards. They're not like, you know, evil demons that you're fighting. Right. Got it. Sure. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Uh, Jake, what is the meta? We often talk about the meta of the our meta, group. What is the yeah, meta? The meta is playing the man, not the game, basically. It's thinking about who you're playing with, knowing how they behave, how they play, and, you know, either throwing them off this way or that way using that information. It, it doesn't matter what game you're playing essentially, when you're talking about the meta. Right. Uh, I will give you half and half. You are correct in terms of that, but there's also the meta can also refer to an ongoing outside-the-game strategy that continues on uh, with that specific game. So let's say, like for example, we're playing Food Chain Magnet, and the meta in our group is to rush to Guru. So okay. if you know Food Chain Magnet, you know Guru is one of the more advanced cards. There could be a rush to Guru strategy. Okay. And in our group, the meta forms that that is the most powerful strategy. So what does that do to the group? Well, then people start either racing towards it or realizing when they're not going to get it to go against that. Okay. To do whatever the counter strategy would be to be. So we have now created a meta in Food Chain Magnet of that's the best strategy. How is it countered? How is it not? Other game groups might have no interest in Guru. It might never come up. They might, or people go for it and go, oh, you're going for Guru? That's crazy. But in our group, the meta is, and it actually isn't necessarily true. I'm just picking an example. Our group, the meta is Guru is the best. Got it. Go for Guru. First person who gets there, everyone else has to take them down. Well, there you go. That would be the meta. 
Got for Vujay Magnet in our okay. group. That brings me to an idea, because uh, I almost said it, and I stopped myself from saying it here. What is OP? When, when something is overpowered. OP. Overpowered. Overpowered, yeah. Overpowered. That is right. OP means overpowered, and we often sure refer does. to it in certain strategies in a game that are maybe too strong. Yeah, game breakers. Uh, Sometimes they're too strong on purpose. Maybe it's meant to be uh, something where now you have a target on your back. That could be a valid game design strategy of, okay, whoever goes for that, everybody knows it's the best, but now everyone's going to take you down. Yeah. So now you have, uh, you have that to deal with. Uh, what is a dexterity game? Uh, dexterity game could be like that card game we played in college, which I shall not name because it's a rude name. But like hand speed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you that for it. Dexterity game is usually a flicking game. Uh, Tiddlywinks is a classic dexterity okay. game. Um, uh, Carom, uh, you, you know, where you've got the little wood disc that you're, that you're okay. flinging around the board. That is a classic dexterity game. Uh, anything where you're physically, it's almost like pool. Was, is, okay. if, if you were just using your finger Ping pong. on the ball. Uh, well, <laughs> now we're getting uh, into you know, uh, okay, tennis type dexterity. games. But yeah, that is a dexterity game. All right. uh, we talked about this last week. and This is more of a check to see if you're listening. What's an FLGS? FLGS. I did listen to the episode Does last Jake week. listen to our I show? I do. Let's find out right now. I think he gets a box <laughs> fart. Uh, it is a friendly local game store, uh, also known yeah. as an OLGS, an online local game store, which mm. makes no sense because if it's online, it doesn't need to be local. Uh, but that is just the place you go to buy games, and we often are, let let you know which ones are friendly because sometimes sure. they're not. Okay, uh, Jake, what is a legacy game? What is a legacy? Like we say a famous a- game. <laughs> okay. You get two box parts uh, for that one. A legacy game is a new uh, hot type of game that was started with Pandemic Legacy, uh, uh, wherein there is an ongoing board state that changes every game permanently. So we put stickers on maps, we rip oh, up cards, so cool. we write on the components, and by the end of the campaign, we have created something unique to our group and nobody else has done it. It was The word legacy comes from Pandemic Legacy, dope, and now right? lots of games have just taken that word, and everybody uh-huh. knows legacy means a campaign game in which permanent changes are made. We've never played anything like that. Uh, you have not, yes. I would love to, but that sounds something super awesome. And we, and we could try to find a good legacy game. Gloomhaven, which is on our 8x8, mm-hmm. is technically a legacy game. We make permanent Mm-hmm. changes to things um that's cool you open up new things permanently often in legacy games there are hidden compartments in the box that you're so excited it's, it's like open. a campaign game. it is yeah. a campaign yeah right. exactly cool. that's a legacy game jake what is rng what is rng no i don't know random number generator is what it means but okay. it's used to say randomness usually in a dice roll Okay. So if I was to say there's a lot of RNG in this game, it just means there's a lot, a lot of, of chaos, a lot of randomness, a lot of things okay. that are out of my control. Um, anytime I'm rolling dice, there's RNG. Okay. Anytime, a lot of people in the video game world, people say pray to RNG Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever you have a, uh, a, a purely luck to, uh, thing that's going to sure. happen, we say RNG. Well, and on that one, may I just say that as a casual gamer, yeah. I feel like that's a bit of a sliding scale, that category. Sure. Because the better you are, seems a little bit less random to you. Maybe you have a little bit more control over it. Depends how important luck is in the game. There are some games where there's so much luck that it doesn't matter how good you are. Sometimes I'll be playing a game that may not have any of that at all, but it feels that way because everyone else has such a better understanding of what's what's happening. Absolutely. That's a good point. So beer and pretzel games have a lot of RNG RNG for you. (laughs) Uh, 
What you actually brought this up? What is fiddly? When somebody says this game is fiddly, it's when the mean? pieces get knocked about too easily on the board. It's a lot of pieces, a lot of it's, things, uh, it's, it's a lot like, of components, yeah, a lot of uh, counting out of things, a lot of setup, a lot, a lot of takedown, bits and pieces that aren't necessarily exactly stable. Uh, we'll just do one or two more of these, and then we we're going to call All it right. a day. What is worker placement? Now, this is this something is like, that's brought up a lot. Yeah, yeah. What this, is a this, worker placement game? This has to do with... Uh, it, it's a little bit like the last thing we were talking about with area of control because it's about the numbers of your things. In this case, it's people. And sometimes those people have different jobs to do different things. But it's essentially about where you put your, your, the mechanism of the, the growth of what they do. So you could put three guys here, put two guys there. That's yeah. correct. It's yeah. just anytime you have a player piece that you are putting yeah. on the board in order to get it's something. It's a little bit risk, actually. Uva Rosen. Uh, I mean, you're putting armies in places to. Well, no, I would. Got a box fart you there. It is not risk in the sense that risk. The, the the concept of worker placement is: I take a thing, I put it on the board, I instantly get something. That is worker okay. placement. So I and and usually it involves blocking someone else from doing it. Now in risk, you do have that. I'm putting my guys here. If you want it, you got to kill me for it. But when you put a guy on a board, you don't get six wood. That's true. You don't get an action. That's true. Uh, and that is pretty much what worker placement means. It's getting an action by spending a person to go there. Got it. Uh, Uwe Rosenberg is probably the most famous of this. Agricola, Caverna, Feast for Odin. Also, I love Marco Polo. A lot of my favorite medium weight euros are worker placements. It is, I'd say, the defining mechanism of modern euros yeah. is the worker placement. Okay. Last one, Jake, before yeah. we call this a day. What is the difference between a Meritrash and Euro? Uh, I think that the Euro is considered the more elite more, uh, you know, the, the smarter games, mm. the more, the more thoughtful you have to really be, really be clever to do them. And, uh, the Ameritrash ones are more like Monopoly and, uh, go, you know, all the board games, the Milton Bradley. Okay. I'm going to give you a fart and a clap at the same time there. Uh, yeah, pretty much. But uh, I, I don't think it needs to be the elitist level, although I think some Ameritrash people might see it that way. Uh, but a Euro is just a more strategic game with less luck. And Ameritrash, which okay. is a term that we you know don't often use on this podcast, but is a just the typical sure. colloquialism. Well, it's like you say, "Do you want to come and hang out by my pool?" And then you show up, and you're like, "We're going swimming in the ocean at night." <laughs> okay, that's, that's kind of like sometimes what game night feels like. You're I like, see. Oh, we're hanging out. Oh no, we're we're swimming for our life, and we're going to drown or get yes. eaten by uh, sharks. And that is a that is it's good to know that's how it feels. <laughs> I am so sorry. Uh, that is what a horrible, cold, uh, evil Euro will do to a casual player. Uh, but yes, and, and Ameritrash games are typically games that have plastic miniatures and yeah. more theme and some RNG involved. Just lighter. Uh, but also that there's usually a, is, a a direct player interaction of I'm attacking you, you're attacking me. I've got a cool mini. I'm rolling some dice. Do I kill you? Do I not? What's the game we we reviewed today? Would you say which way does that? Oh, Selenia is a euro, no doubt. There's oh, really? A, oh, yeah, hundred percent. Oh, oh right. well, then then I got to tell you, casual gamers, you're gonna like some euros because that that one I love. Well, that the, game. I appreciate you saying yeah. that. I think you will. Yeah, no, I mean, but yeah, Ameritrash Risk is the classic Ameritrash game. Access and Allies, classic right. Ameritrash game. Classic Euro would be Kalis, El Grande. Mm-hmm. Okay. Selenia is, is, is definitely a Euro, 100%. Yeah. Um, Jake, I feel like we did a great job today. I think we killed it. Um, we, I, I, now, Jake, uh, in classic casual gamer uh, status, has to go pick up his son. Yeah. So we are going to not do the board game sommelier this week. Okay. Um, I think uh, I was going to answer a lot of newbie questions, but I think we answered a lot of newbie I think questions we went over in this. we quite a bit. 
I promise to get some more of your questions next week when uh, we ha- when we do an, a little bonus episode. We'll still answer some questions. We'll have time nice. for that. Uh, but for this week, we are going to sign off. Alfred put up an amazing Spotify mix. It's so good. A mix that you can listen to at your game night. I've a- been listening to it just in my life. It's One so of the good. greatest musicians of our time. Alfred is going to hate me for saying that. <laughs> uh, has made you a tailored mix for your game night. Yeah. And it's, you know what? It's We've dope. been listening to game night and it's awesome. It and it's, it's it. perfect background music that is it's enjoyable kind of to listen to. Good, it's unobtrusive. Actually. He's really done a great job yeah. of it. Go to our Twitter or, in, or go to gamebrainpod.com and check out uh, all of our links there. You'll see it on our social media, mm-hmm. but gamebrainpod under, gamebrain underscore pod on my Twitter and you'll definitely find a link there. Or join our Facebook group. We have a wonderful burgeoning little Facebook group going for gamebrain pod. So uh, check out gamebrain podcast group on Facebook. You'll find it there. Um, uh, we will accept all, uh, entries, but Facebook doesn't force you to ask first. Yeah. And then we have the right, just so that we don't get, uh, people advertising or, uh, people who are not real and bots. Yeah. Um, but join it. We have a wonderful little burgeoning group there. Um, and that's it, Jake. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. So much I appreciate fun. you. Uh, have a good trip. Thank you so much. I appreciate you putting up with all of the heavy games and being so, so happy to always sit down and play. Them. I enjoy learning them and I enjoy playing them. Well, honestly. Honestly, hopefully we continue with that. You've been listening to Game Brain produced and edited by Matthew Robinson. Special thanks to Daedalus for incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. You can reach me at email at Matthew at GameBrainPod.com or go to uh, GameBrainPod.com in order to email me directly from there. Twitter is GameBrain underscore pod. So thanks for listening and go play some games with friends or go make some friends with games.